We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome into the Roadwire Fantasy Basketball Podcast. It is Friday, March 3rd, 2017. DJ Trainer here, joined by Shannon McEwen. No Ken Kreitz. It was weird not to pause for the whistle there, Shannon. It was nice to not pause for the whistle. <laughs> this podcast is available on iTunes and Stitcher. Please feel free to leave a nice review on one of those venues. You can also find it on Audio Boom and directly on the Rotowire website itself. I believe Ken is doing a tour of colleges with his kids. I got to be honest with you, I didn't realize his kids were that old. I hope he doesn't listen to this podcast. Well, Ken's old, so it doesn't surprise right. me. Yeah, I guess that's that's probably where I should have went with it. All right, we're going to talk hoops on this podcast like we normally do. We're going to cover some top news, go over the three games from last night because there's some interesting fa- fantasy implications to be discussed there. Shannon and I will then talk about some rest of season pickups. We're looking at the waiver wires and ownership rates and wondering why some guys are not more widely owned. So we'll do that as fantasy playoffs and the home stretch for rotisserie leagues comes into play here over the next few weeks and then we'll finish up like we always do even though we don't have ken with some friday fanduel dfs advice 
So without further ado, probably the biggest story in the NBA right now and in fantasy, you could argue as well, Kevin Durant diagnosed with a left MCL sprain and tibial bone bruise and will be sidelined for four weeks before being reevaluated. Believe it or not, Shannon, this was actually viewed as good news that he will return at some point this season. From a fantasy perspective, what was your first impression? There's not much to take away. It's it's weird because a lot of the Warriors team, it's similar personnel to last year. So when I looked at it, the first thing I thought, okay, which player is going to step up and take over that production? And and immediately I'm like, it just means more Curry, more Draymond, more Clay. I just don't, I can't imagine there's going to be much of a shift. You'll see a guy like Igudala get more minutes, but his production is still going to be pretty tame, I think, for the most part. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that game that they played. They lost against Chicago, losing their, their second game in the row for the first time in 136, 137 regular season games, not playoff games, obviously. But Curry attempted a season high, tied a season high, 27 shot attempts. So it's kind of one of those things that I like to say is probably just reinvest into the players that you were already using to begin with. But a lot of people out there, Shannon, are wondering and probably going to ask about Patrick McCaw, who moves into the starting lineup. Uh, Played 29 minutes last night against Chicago, 11 points, four rebounds, two assists, two steals, and one block. So they gave him some some value in some of the lesser categories. Are you going to you know, use him in DFS? Is he worth a season-long league flyer? Or are the other guys simply just going to take the, the brunt of the workload here? If you're in a deeper league, you know, maybe, maybe a deep 12-team league or 14-team league, I could see how he would have some value. But you know, if you're talking 11 points, 4 rebounds, 2 assists, I mean, the blocks and steals were nice last night. But you know, even the game before, he played 24 minutes. He had eight points, two rebounds, one assist, nothing on the defensive end. So it's it's not going to be great. It's not going to be stellar production. But if there maybe there's value there for 14 team leagues or very deep rosters in a 12 team league. It, it's just case by case basis. You got to look at your league size, league depth, and, and see if he's a good fit. But I don't expect stellar production from him. Yeah, I, I know people were really high on Patrick McCaw at the beginning of the season. To me, he's still just too young, and there's too many better players, like you said, that I, I'm just going to reinvest in the players that are already there. We're going to circle back to that Warriors-Bulls game in just a second, but want to touch on a couple more injuries. Michael Beasley has a hyperextended left knee and will be reevaluated sometime next week. Uh, funny enough here, this was actually one where a lot of people were ready to ride him off for the rest of the season, uh, but it sounds like he could return sometime in the next week or two over his last six games before suffering that injury on February 27th uh, 26 minutes per game 16 points four rebounds one and a half assists almost a full steal almost a full block I was pleasantly surprised by the production but I tell you what a couple of nights ago I went over to Milwaukee and watched the Bucks play Denver and they just don't have scores on the court. When Middleton's off the court, when Giannis is off the court, and for some reason Jason Kidd often doesn't play them together where they're both off the court, they just have no scoring presence. So it makes sense that Beasley was able to step up and score quite a bit. But with this injury, whenever he comes back, do you think that we could see a similar role to what he played right before that injury? Possibly. I'm actually really interested to see how they sign the Bucks or the Bucks reportedly signed Terrence Jones. Yeah. So he's going to join the team on Saturday. Um, I'm really excited to see how Terrence Jones works into it. I could see him 
immediately getting 25 to 30 minutes a game. Um, definitely, I mean, it helps that Beasley's out, but even after Beasley returns, I could see Beasley taking on a smaller role and having those minutes go to Terrence Jones. That's a good point. And you, nobody's been higher on Terrence Jones than you and I. We've kind of like begrudgingly held on to him in a couple of our leagues all season long. He's been solid this year. And I mean, the guy, the guy has averaged 11 and a half points, six rebounds, only playing 24 minutes per game this season. Whenever he gets extra run, it seems like the production ticks up accordingly. I mean, he had some huge games. Just in January, he had 36 and 11 one night. Against uh, Cleveland. Yeah, exactly. You know, against Utah, his final game with the Pelicans, he had 28 and 8 against Utah, one of the toughest defensive teams in the league. Uh, obviously, it was, it was a blowout, and that's why he got extra run and extra production. But he can put up stats. I have no doubt about that. It's just a matter of if the minutes are there. Um, given the injuries to Jabari Parker, Michael Beasley, the Bucks might be one of the better scenarios for him where he can get minutes. Yeah, it's one of those weird circumstances where your fantasy impression doesn't match up the real world impression because uh, obviously Terrence Jones has not been valued by the teams he's been on in the past from a fantasy perspective he's, if he's on the court he's valuable and that's that's one of you know he's one of those players where fantasy impressions and real world basketball X's and O's just seem to diverge for whatever reason it really does and it doesn't it, it doesn't make sense to me even a team like the Rockets for for a minute there I thought well maybe the Rockets will pick him up because I look at the rock current Rockets roster yeah. and I'm like like he's a great fit, but it, do, it doesn't make sense. It to seems me. like he's he's probably like a more exper- more experienced version of somebody like Sam Decker or Montrez Harrell, right? Like same, maybe like a rebound guy that can score if you want, but he can also just occupy space. I, yeah, it, it's just it's a little baffling to me. You wonder if there's maybe a little more going on that you know we we don't see from the outside looking in. He must just be atrocious at defense. Yep, that's that's probably the easiest way to sum it up. All right, last negative news to talk about here. Joel Embiid ruled out for the remainder of the season. I'm not surprised whatsoever when they were talking about out indefinitely. To me, it, it was a no-brainer that he would have been out for the rest of the season. He's good. He's definitely in consideration for Rookie of the Year. Uh, maybe we'll get into that more next week, Shannon. No, let's get into that right you now. You want to get into it now? Yeah. All right. Well, well, first of all, let me ask you this question before we do talk about Rookie of the Year. Are you concerned with the career longevity for Joel Embiid? And, you know, talking about him in the office yesterday, Greg Oden was tossed around. Um, so know that that's there and that, uh, you know, he's had an injury plague career so far. And I think a lot of people are going to be thinking of that heading into next year's season long drafts as well. I mean, you have to be concerned. He's played 31 games through his first three seasons in the NBA. Um, that's a lot less than Greg Oden played in his first three seasons. So I mean, the only, the, the difference between a guy like, like Greg Oden and Embiid is the ceiling that Embiid showed this season is way beyond anything Greg Oden showed. Sure. Greg Oden was yeah. a great player, could have been a stellar big man in the league for long term if he were healthy, but he never had the type of ceiling that Embiid showed this season. So I, I don't know. I, I feel like this latest injury is more Sixers being cautious about it, um, which is totally understandable. You have you have Ben Simmons out for the year as well. They're gonna you know they could have another high pick this year. There's no reason to rush and beat out there. Just let him get 100%. Hopefully next year he can play in 60 or 70 games and just continue to build on that. One guy, one comp 
because there's really there's not many comps for for big men who have had foot and, and knee issues and have played so few games their first few years. The the one comp I saw was uh, Zadrunas Ogaskis. He was actually had really bad foot issues his first three seasons, um, and then after that was able to bounce back and played like eight seasons in a row of like 72 or more games, which um, that you just don't see that, but there are comps out. There's actually a comp out there where, Hey, this guy was, was considered a red flag and probably didn't have a long career in the NBA. And he came back and he had, he had a very long career. Will you draft him in next year's season long drafts? Like how many, how far does he have to fall before you're like, well, this is ridiculous. I have to take him at this, at this uh, price, if you will. All right. What well, it all depends on his ranking, right? And and yeah. based on based on season averages this year, he was a top twenty player. Yeah. So when and he played every other night, only playing like forty games right. the whole season. You know, he but he was when he played top twenty player, and that's on a limited minute. That's a strict strict minute cap. There, you know, he only played twenty five minutes right. a game in those thirty one games. <laughs> so imagine if he's able to play thirty two minutes a game. I mean, he's by default, a top 10 player, probably top five if you give him 32 minutes game and he stays healthy. Obviously, tons and tons of risk associated with drafting Embiid. I mean, if I have to pick him in the first or second round, no. If he's still there in the third, maybe. Come on, that's too early. No, I'm, he's going to be ranked. I bet she's ranked like 25th going in the drafts next year. Assuming his health checks out between now and draft season, for for the 2017-2018 fantasy basketball season, he will be ranked right around between 20 and 30 is my guess. I'm saying maybe on third round, because if you think about guys you can pick in the third round, not many of them are going to have top five upside like Embiid will. Fourth round, definitely. I I will go on record right now as saying if he if he stays healthy all summer, everything checks out going into draft season, I will pick him in the fourth round next season. Wow. I mean, he'll get him. He'll go before then. I know. That's the thing is that there's going to be somebody in your league who overvalues him and just says he's, he's the next best player and goes for it. I would understand that rationale if he were playing for any other organization. Okay. So like if he, you know, just anybody else, then I would say, sure, go ahead and, and draft him in the third and fourth rounds. But because he's playing for the Philadelphia 76ers, I think that he can be fully healthy for all 82 games, but still only end up playing 60 of those games and never playing more than 34 minutes a game, even if he's completely healthy. I mean, and this guy is like <laughs> racking up two injuries per season. So even saying that is a bit ridiculous, but come on. I mean, you, you know, the Philadelphia 76ers, it's not like they're going to compete compete next year they might okay if he's that's the thing like it all depends on how his health measures out this summer if he's 100 percent going into next year i'm not saying they're gonna let him play 35 minutes a game and, and play start 82 games but they're gonna the, the handcuffs are gonna come off and it probably will be next year because you have sarge you have ben simmons coming back assuming he's 100 percent too they're going to have other pieces around him at that time. They're going to be ready. I mean, they had they had that stretch in January where you know they went like eight and six or something, and they they were beating good teams. This, if everyone's healthy, I believe they can be a competitive team next year. And under five hundred teams going to make the playoffs in the East this season. Many people have died on the Philadelphia 76ers will compete next season. Hill, Shannon, you're you're just going to be about one. Health. Yeah. It's all about health. All right, that's there's there's the caveat. 
Fair enough. So let's get into the other thing that we tease, Rookie of the Year. Um, so Joel Embiid has only played 31 games this season. There's absolutely no precedent for somebody winning uh, Rookie of the Year award and probably any other award only playing 30 games. In fact, no, I think you can even bump that up to 50. Like, yeah, no 50. One, no one has played less than 50 games and won the won the uh, Rookie of the Year award. So if we're going by per game, most impressed by per game, he, he's a runaway. He wins it, but that's not what the award is. And unfortunately for him... Most of these awards are judged in the final you know, month and a half of the season anyway. That's when voters really start to key in, and he's just not going to be around to impress anybody. Two leading candidates in my mind are Malcolm Brogdon of the Milwaukee Bucks, who's been a pleasant surprise for them so far. Production isn't quite there like it has been for you know Embiid or, or any other player, uh, but he's playing very solid and reliable minutes for them. The other candidate who I think will win and seems to be the favorite is Dario Saric. He's healthy. He's seeing lots of minutes. He's the go-to option for the Philadelphia 76ers. He's going to finish up with a strong end to the season. I really can't see any universe where he doesn't end up winning Rookie of the Year unless everybody in Denver gets hurt and Jamal Murray plays 30 minutes per game moving forward, and that's not going to happen. Yeah, it's Saric is the favorite in my mind. I mean, the... He's been good. He's been okay this season, but the last few weeks, he's really turned it up, and that's why I think he's going to finish really strong. I mean, over the past two weeks, he's a top 80 fantasy player. He's averaging 17.5 and 9.8 rebounds, 4.5 assists. 17, 10, and almost, and five. That's insane. Like, that's that's stellar production. So he's going to continue to get 30-plus minutes a game. He's averaging 34 over the past two weeks. As long as that production holds, and we're talking about another 20 games where he's producing at that level, then his overall season averages will look decent. They'll look decent enough, and I think he will take home Rookie of the Year award. If he doesn't improve, if, if, if the last two weeks were just a flash in the pan and he goes back to the production we saw the first four or five four months of the season, then I don't know that he would win it. But I'm looking at the other players, Brogdon. Brogdon's averaging 9.8 points per game right now. There hasn't ever been a rookie of the year who's averaged single-digit right. scoring. So I, it, to me, it's just he's been really good. I like the way he plays. I think he's a great fit with the Bucks. But I can't, I can't imagine him winning the rookie of the year if he's only averaging nine points per game. Uh, Marquise Chris has, has started and played only, – only Sabonis has started more games than Chris this year as a rookie. Um, but he's only averaging eight points per game. He, his his – you know, his production's picked up some this year, uh, but it's er, as we progress throughout the year, and I think it'll continue to now that they don't have P.J. Tucker in Phoenix, yeah. but his production's not going to be high enough to be Rookie of the Year. Yogi Ferrell, flash in the pan, had had a couple good weeks. He's going to be the starter in Dallas the rest of the way, and, and will probably post decent numbers, but not good enough to be Rookie of the Year. Also, it's going to be a situation where he hasn't played that much, like Embiid. Uh, Jamal Murray and Buddy Heald are actually the two interesting guys. I, I don't think either will come on strong enough to win Rookie of the Year. If one does, it's probably Jamal Murray. Um, we saw, we've seen a lot of upside from him the past couple weeks. He took home MVP of the of the the Rising Stars Challenge. So sure. there we go. He's already the MVP <laughs> of the rookies. I like it. I, you know, you know how high I am on Jamal Murray, but he just simply hasn't seen enough playing time to warrant really any other accolades besides that one that he got in All Star Weekend. Um, now, crazy, cr- crazy, crazy thought here. Buddy Heald hasn't been great since he went to Sacramento, but he has scored 
double digits three out of the four games. Let's see. Let's say he does. He one ups Sarge. Sarge dips back down to like sure. twelve and five the rest of the way. But Buddy Heald goes like goes like nineteen four with a couple threes per game the rest of the season. Yeah, and he's in the conversation then, right? It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. But if it did, he would be in the conversation, right? Well, like I said, the, you know, this award and likely all the other awards are really harshly judged and mostly judged in the last month and a half of the season. So, if he were to make a timely step up in production and play, then yeah, I I, I could see a, a you know a, a situation where Heald could come out on top. Think like like Devin Booker last year. His yeah, overall but Booker was already humming along like way yeah, before he, this point. He was doing okay, but those last two months of the season, like yeah. he was just caught fire. Everyone else was hurt on the on the Suns, mm-hmm. and, and he was putting up rookie of the year caliber numbers the last two months. So here's my hot take, real quick, before we move on, because we still have a lot to get to. If Malcolm Brogdon never got that triple double back, you know, what was it like in like early winter, November, December? I don't think he would even be in this discussion for rookie of the year. It was that one triple-double in everybody's mind, like, wow, that guy was drafted so late in the draft, and he put up a triple-double for a young Bucks team. Now when we talk about the future of the Bucks, we have to toss his name in there too. Had he never gotten that triple-double, I don't think we say his name, and we don't think about him nearly as much as we have. I will combat that with over the past two, 14 days, Brogdon is averaging 15 one and a half rebounds, 4.8 assists, 1.5 assist, 1.5 steals, and 1.8 three-pointers. He is a top 85 fantasy player over the past two weeks. So, yes, that stretch in like January where he was really good, he's having another stretch just like that right now. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. All right, uh, so I'm going to turn some of these questions into quick hitter, Shannon. How about just a, you know, like a one name answer with just a short description. We'll do a little rapid fire here um, in the middle of this pod so we can get to DFS. And the theme here is going to be last night's games. So Warriors versus Bulls. Uh, Warriors lose 94 to 87, losing back to back regular season games for the first time in 146 regular outings. First game without Kevin Durant. You already, you already answered who benefits the most in the absence of Durant. But on the Bulls side, Outside of Butler and Wade, who has the most fantasy value on the Bulls? I'm going to go with Bobby Portis, who had a big had a big game last night. Um, you know, he he had 17 and 13, 12 and six the game before that. Uh, he's also hit two three pointers in each game, which is that's big. You're talking about a power forward, center eligible player, and, and he can hit threes. He has the capability of picking up some defensive stats too. hasn't Hasn't been great on that end yet. But over the past two weeks, Bobby Portis, 11 points, 7 rebounds, 1.5 threes, almost one steal. That's in just 23 minutes per game. I think his minutes are going to continue to creep up now that Taj Gibson and Doug McDermott are out of town. So give me Bobby Portis. All right. I'm I'm fine with that. The Bulls kind of have nothing to lose at this point, at least from my perspective. I know they're still fighting for playoff relevancy and and seeding. Uh, the Hornets lose 120 to 103 uh, to the Suns last night. They fall to three and seven over their last ten games. That puts them at an overall record of 26 and 35. Wow, they quietly have been not good this year. Frank Kaminsky left the game late in the fourth quarter, so keep an eye on that. Keep it locked on Rotowire to see if that's going to have any lasting uh, effects on his availability moving forward. Most importantly from this game, Shannon, we cut we touched on a couple of these players. 
Please rank the following players for Keeper League value. They're all sons. TJ Warren, Alex Len, Devin Booker, and Marquise Chris. You mentioned Booker and Chris already in this podcast, but what about Warren and Len? How do they stack up against Booker and Chris? Mm, that's tough. Uh, it's Booker. Booker's number one by a country mile. Sure. Um, and then we're going to go with Warren, Chris, Len. Okay. I think that's my rankings too. I'm a little bit shy on TJ Warren. I was really high on him to begin the year. And when he started off so hot to begin the season, I was, I was so proud of myself for picking him so late in drafts. Uh, but after that kind of concussion head thing that he had in late November, earlier December that, that pushed him out for a month, he just hasn't quite been the same since. So I still think that he has much more uh, rest of career uh, value and a ceiling than Alex Len and, and Marquise Chris, but I am a little, I am taking a step back from TJ Warren. I could see why a lot of people might side with like Chris because he's he's a, the newer name of the bunch. Um, but over the past two weeks, TJ Warren, he's again, he's another guy. He's benefiting from PJ Tucker being gone. Um, guys like Tyson Chandler and, and Brandon Knight have are basically like non factors in the rotation anymore for the Suns. Warren over the past two weeks top 50 fantasy player averaging 18 points seven rebounds one steal um not hitting threes right now but that's fine um but top 50 fantasy player great percentages or a great great shooting percentage not great from the line doesn't take many free throws um he's only owned in 65 percent of yahoo leagues tj warren should be owned in every 10 10 team or deeper Mm -hmm. you should definitely own him yeah, I agree with that. Unfortunately, he's falling down the DeMar DeRozan route where his, his style of play is not lending itself well to three-pointers. He's only shooting – he's not even shooting 24% from beyond the line, but he's he's not even attempting two per game. So in, in terms of comps, you know, in terms of three-point attempts, DeMar DeRozan where you're going to have a shooting guard eligible player who's not really giving you threes. So you need to be careful uh, and maybe make up for with like a Ryan Anderson guy or something who's eligible at a, at a bigger spot. So keep that in mind. We'll keep it moving though here and we'll we'll use this uh, the Thunder Blazers game last night to bleed into rest of season pickups. Thunder were outscored 33-24 to in the fourth quarter last night. They end up losing 114-109 to after 45 points, 8 rebounds, and and four assists from Russell Westbrook. 45 points is great, but only eight rebounds, four assists. Come on, Russ. Most importantly for fantasy, in my eyes at least, because everybody owns Russell Westbrook already, Yusuf Nurkic may have gained the most value post-trade deadline. Last night, for example, he put up 18 points, 12 rebounds, six assists, two steals, and five blocks over 38 minutes from a guy that was getting basically benched in Denver going to that stat line. I, I think that he is the winner of the trade deadline week or trade deadline month. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and I think everyone pretty much knew this was coming. You know, he's got his deficiencies in his game, you know, gets too many fouls, struggles on the defensive end. Even, even, you know, last night he had a great defensive stat line with two steals and five blocks, but he still struggles on that end of the court. Uh, but he, he's the guy. He's only owned in 72% of Yahoo leagues. He should be owned in every league. He is, over the past two weeks, a top 25 fantasy player, shooting 54% from the field, 73% from the line, 14.3, 8.8 rebounds, 4.5 assists, which is insane, and 3.5 combined blocks and steals. Pick up Nurkic if he's available. If you're in a league that maybe most half the league's dead and no one's picked him up yet, go scoop him up. I don't care if you're dropping a guy 
who's been a top 100 player for you all year, just drop him and pick up Nurkic. Um, one one other guy, you know, we've talked we've talked a lot about. Uh, we're going to transition to to rest of season pickups. Nurkic is at the top. He will be at the top until he's 95 percent owned in leagues. Um, we we mentioned Terrence Jones, so I'm going to say Terrence Jones only about 35 percent owned in Yahoo right now. I highly recommend taking a flyer on him if you're in a 12 or 14 team league. Um, and then one guy from the Suns who we didn't talk about had a big game last night. Alan Williams. I, I will admit. I did not really know who Alan Williams was, um, you know, just a week ago. Uh, but Alan Williams, over the past week, six, top 70 fantasy player, averaging 15 points, 8.3 rebounds, one and a half assists, one block, one steal. This guy's getting lots of run now. He's played, he's played 34, 22, and 24 minutes over the past three games, and, and he's put together solid stat lines in each. He had a big 17 and 15 game uh, against Milwaukee uh, just earlier this week. Uh, Alan Williams, are you picking him up? Yeah, most definitely, because if you look at Tyson Chandler's game log, he hasn't played at all. And what Phoenix is doing is they, they, were, they were unable to unload Chandler um, you know they have nothing to play for, so they're just going to they're just going to give their young guys a lot of minutes. Alan Williams, you know, it wouldn't surprise a lot of people if he was like a 29 year old who's like bounced around, but he's only 24 years old, um, and potentially, you know, maybe he could be a guy uh, moving forward in tandem with Alex Len and Marquise Chris, like we talked about. Phoenix has a lot of interesting young players. They don't get a lot of credit like Minnesota does and Milwaukee does, and even the Lakers do for having you know these young sexy teams that we like to say are going to be so good in the future I think Phoenix deserves to be in that discussion as well and I think maybe over the last couple months of the season we're going to see that because they're going to give those young guys a lot of playing time yep and I I was listening to the radio a couple days ago or last weekend when Alvin William Alan Williams had that big 17-15 game and they mentioned his name and I was like Alvin Williams he's not still in the NBA he's like got to be in his (laughs) he's got to be in his 40s by now it wasn't Alvin Williams. It was Alan. <laughs> Alan Williams, 24-year-old, 6'8", 260 out of UC Santa Barbara. Now, if you're listening to this podcast, you can't say you've never heard of Alan Williams before. Uh, I'm looking at some players. I'm in a, a bit like a, I guess it's a 14 team league. It's actually, it would be the size of a 14 team league. It's actually only six, but we have massive rosters. I'm seeing that, uh, Jeremy Lynn is somebody that's out there and available. His minutes are trending upward. He's back. Do you think that maybe people should go out there, grab him in the hope that by the end of the season, he'll be ramping it up towards 30, 34 minutes a game? Yeah, I would pick him up. I mean, he, he's going to be, he's owned in about 35% of Yahoo leagues. Like you said, his minutes are starting to ramp up. He played 20 minutes on March 1st, the most recent game. He had 17 points, five assists. He's going to continue to get more minutes. It's He was really good at the beginning of the year. So just go out and pick him up based on that production. The Nets signed him to play him, and I think he'll get run down the stretch. Nick Young, if you desperately need three-pointers over the end of the season, like you know, I have him in a couple of leagues purely for three pointers and hasn't so much been the case over the last week. But I mean, there's, there's been a stretch where he's going out there and grabbing you four or five, three pointers per game. If you desperately only need that one category, he's somebody that you could potentially give a look at anybody else, Shannon, that, you know, you're seeing him available in Yahoo leagues and you're just wondering why in the world is he available when it's crunch time in for fantasy right now? Oh man. 
That's about it. I mean, you've got guys like Corey Joseph, if he's still available, no one picked him up yet. He's worth a flyer with Kyle Lowry out. Uh, Kyle O'Quinn with the, with the Knicks could get you some, some decent rebounds and block numbers. I'm not extremely high on him because even though the Knicks are shorthanded in the front court right now, he's still struggling to get 20 minutes per game. Um, but Terrence Jones, Alex Len, Alan Williams, those are really the big guys that I'm looking at. Fair enough. I like it. All right, let's Shannon, let's finish up. Unfortunately, we are pressed for time, but all that really matters is the name and a short description of why we will, we will be playing them tonight in our FanDuel lineups. Let's kick things off for me with Chris Middleton at small forward. Only $5,300 going up against the Clippers at home uh, at the BMO Harris Center tonight in Milwaukee. The Clippers somewhat surprisingly give up the seventh most fantasy points to small forwards this season. Middleton played 30 minutes against Denver earlier in the week. I think that was a season high. His minutes are trending upward. And like I said at the beginning of this podcast, Milwaukee just does not have playmakers, do not have people that even want to take a shot on the court. So when he's on the court, you know he wants to shoot. I think he's going to do that if he sees 30 minutes at a price of only $5,300. He's somebody I'm going to have in, in a decent amount of my lineups tonight. He's got the green light. I mean, I actually I went to the Bucks uh, pistons game. It was his fourth or third game back at the time. He only played 18 minutes that game, but I was surprised at just how good he looked. It didn't look like there was any rust. He was out there firing away and ready to go. Now that he's playing, I, I take the, the Wednesday night game when he played 30 31 minutes that's a sign to me that he's playing 30 minutes the rest of the way you know they're pushing terrence jones signing also indicates they're pushing for the playoffs they still want to make the playoffs they should so i i think middleton's going to be 30 plus minutes per night he's only at 5300 i also have him in my lineup i would agree that when he plays he'll be 30 plus minutes per night but don't be shocked if you see him take a game off or two yeah on back-to-back sets i could see that for point guard, I'm looking at Eric Bledsoe, $8,800. I know a lot of people have gotten burned at that price using Bledsoe, but he's going up against the Thunder tonight. Uh, somewhat surprisingly, maybe for some of you, maybe not for everybody else if you've been playing DFS all season, but Oklahoma City gives up the eighth most fancy points to point guards this season. We love to talk about Russell, 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 but on defense, you know, he's not that great. He, he lets opposing point guards put up buckets. Yes. And so Eric Bledsoe tonight, I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he had one of his best games of the entire season. Um, and I'm going to put my money where my mouth is and have him in quite a few of my lineups tonight. Not a bad pick. Russell Westbrook on, on the other side of that coin, some of a couple of his biggest games this year. And obviously he's had dozens of gigantic games, but two of his biggest were against Phoenix this season. He's averaging over 70 fantasy points a game against the Suns. So if you have a roster where you can afford a $1,300 player, Russell Westbrook's, a, it's one of the better nights to play him. A mm-hmm. um, couple other guys I like, I like Derek Rose, you know, that the Knicks front or backcourt is now shorthanded with Brandon Jennings no longer on the roster. Um, I look for Rose to get decent run. Isaiah Thomas, the Boston LA Lakers game. I'm targeting a lot of players from that game tonight. It's got a high over under one of the highest of the night. So you've got Isaiah Thomas. I like Julius Randle. who's coming off a monster 62 point fantasy outing. Uh, Al Horford, is down to a, I believe, would be a season low or close to it, $6,000. Wow. He's 
been he's been mostly horrible for the past few weeks. But I still I believe in the talent. He's coming off a nine ten and ten game, um, and with the matchup against the Lakers, I just I like him to bounce back. His shooting's been really off lately, but I like him to bounce back, return to double double digit scoring, and give you a thirty five to forty fantasy points. Best of luck out there if you're playing Friday DFS. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Roadwire Fantasy Basketball Podcast. We'll be back next week. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.